Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, I want to say a special welcome to all of you, all of our campuses, as uh, we're kicking off the Christmas week, and uh, it's going to be a great week of celebrating for a lot of you and your families, and uh, also want to say good morning to all of the Upstreet students that are in our services this morning. And so for those of you that like things standard and everything routine and normal, I've cut the sermon a lot shorter this morning, and so you may get out a little bit earlier, and some of you are going to go, why is that? Because I like our upstreet kids, okay? So uh, how about that? So um, <clears throat> one, of the, one of the things that I think uh, just is greens, brings a lot of anticipation to us about the whole thing of the Christmas season is that um, there, there's just this feeling that it's so extraordinary, I mean, if you really stop and think about it, um, really all the anticipation and the excitement of this season, it's really all that extraordinary that seems to surround it when you really stop and think about it. Because see, from this side of history, the story of Christmas, it really does feel very extraordinary, doesn't it? I mean, even if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, think, think about it this way. Just the mere fact that a baby was born like in a small rural Jewish town under like Roman occupation, and here we are like 2,000 years later, and he's still like impacting the world, and he's impacting our world more than any other person in history. I mean, just think about it. We base our values on his teaching, we reference his stories, we view right and wrong based on, really, that makes up our moral code in our society. And that, that's pretty extraordinary when you stop and think about it, that a person that was born 2,000 years ago is still impacting the world. But you know, it, it's even more extraordinary from the perspective of those who consider ourselves followers of Jesus Christ. Because when you really think about it, we believe that this baby that was born in Bethlehem, who was placed like in this ordinary manger, was God in human flesh. And that he came to communicate, and he came to demonstrate what God is like, to like reveal himself to us, and then he like died, and he rose again, and he paid the penalty for our sin, even though we were living in rebellion against him. And we stop and think about that, that's a pretty extraordinary kind of story, isn't it? But see, the thing is, we view the story of Christmas as being extraordinary because we're like 2,000 years on this side of the story. However, I think, and for a moment, I want you to kind of go there in your minds this morning, if we could all kind of transport ourselves back in time and, and live on this side of the story. I think we might view it a little bit differently. See, see, on this side of the story, or on that side of history, everything really, if you stop and think about it, it seemed pretty ordinary. I mean, Mary, she was just an ordinary teenage girl growing up in Nazareth. She growing up in this little hole in the wall kind of town that nobody really knew about or cared about. It was like a little Jewish town of about 400 people. Joseph, I mean, he was just like an ordinary teenage boy. He was learning how to be a carpenter in this same little disdain, nothing good can come from Nazareth, little town. And while their engagement probably to Mary and Joseph seemed like it was kind of like all exciting and everything, probably maybe felt extraordinary to them. Not many people outside of their town really cared. Maybe didn't even notice. I mean, theirs was like a very ordinary story. 
In fact, to them, nothing really seemed extraordinary about the census that Caesar Augustus ordered where the entire Roman Empire was to take it, and nothing really seemed extraordinary about the little town of Bethlehem where Mary and Joseph traveled to complete that census. In fact, nothing was like really extraordinary about where Jesus was born. But the reality is, here we are like 2,000 years later, and it seems so extraordinary. Matter of fact, I, I, it feels so extraordinary that I think sometimes we miss the significance of the ordinary that surrounds the story. I mean, can't we all kind of relate to having like days and maybe weeks and places and jobs and schedules that feel very ordinary? Can't, can't we all relate to that? I mean, you've probably had that kind of week, maybe the last month, maybe the last three months. I mean, few of us, if you really stop and think about it, few of us really go to bed at night really thinking like, man, I just lived another extraordinary day, or I just experienced another extraordinary moment. So I think it's possible. We have a lot more in common with the characters of Christmas, the Marys and the Joseph, than what we realize and, and is it possible that one day we could be on the other side of the history of our life and see our ordinary? It really was extraordinary. It really was meaningful. It really was significant, even though or, those ordinary days. In fact, we, we really believe that the answer to that question is yes. And we believe that the answer to helping understand how that can be and how that happens is hidden right before our eyes in the story of Christmas. And it's hidden in this little, single, simple choice that Joseph and Mary made that absolutely changed their future. And what we're going to discover is, like, when we do the same thing, when we make the same kind of choice, it'll change our futures as well. Now, Mary's moment, it came first. The moment of her choice, the moment of her decision, it came first. See, she's just this young Jewish teenage girl, and, and Mary's really expecting her life to kind of unfold like all the other girls in her little town called Nazareth. I mean, it had been arranged for her by her parents to marry this young man by the name of Joseph. And in a town of 400 people, you didn't have a whole lot of options. So maybe that was a good thing. But fortunately, Joseph was like really a great young man. And, and Mary assumed that she was going to like marry him and live like this quiet little life in Nazareth as Joseph provided for them through his carpentry skills that he was learning from his dad. But all of that changed for Mary one day when the angel Gabriel made this surprise appearance to Mary and told her, he said, Mary, God has noticed you, and God is proud of you, and God is going to be birthed through you. And, and the interesting thing is when you read that story, Mary didn't go, great, hey, okay, can't wait for the baby shower. I mean, it's going to be a real celebration kind of baby shower because, like, God's going to be born through me. God's going to be doing something absolutely amazing. This is going to be the baby shower of all baby showers. No, that, that thought never crossed Mary's mind. In fact, she was confused and she was terrified. She was confused because she's a virgin, so how could she be pregnant? 
She was terrified because she knew if this was true of her life, her life was going to be very difficult because in a small traditional Jewish town, premarital pregnancies are just really frowned upon severely. And how do you explain when it's not what it seems and who's going to believe her and how is she ever going to convince Joseph that this story is true? I mean, she's got like no proof. I mean, apparently Gabriel didn't show up and go, hey, let's do a selfie moment right here so you got something to tell everybody. I mean, there was just no proof given to this whole thing. See, Mary knew if this took place, she was going to pay a price. It was gonna cost her something. I mean, she would have to sacrifice so much. See, it's a very real possibility that Mary would be this single, pregnant teenager who just lost her fiance, her respect, her future security, and maybe even the support of her community. Now, now you may have never thought about this, but Mary had a choice. What if she had said no? If she had said no, she could have avoided the tension. She could have escaped the trouble. She, she could have lived a very normal, expected, ordinary kind of life. But in that moment, Mary made a defining life choice. Mary made the choice that changed her ordinary to extraordinary. In fact, notice how she responded to Gabriel. We find this in Luke chapter 1, verse 38. Here's what she said. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled. In other words, Mary's response basically is, I'm not going to treat my life as my own. I'm not going to treat it as my own life. It's not, like, it's not like it's my plans and my future and my upcoming marriage. And I'm not going to approach all of this with a closed set of fists and hold on tightly to what I want. Literally, I'm not gonna treat my one and own ordinary life as if it's for me and all about me. I am the Lord's servant. See, her response to Gabriel is the choice that I'm going to open up my hands and I'm going to give full access to the one who is responsible for my life anyway. My life is not mine. I am the Lord's servant and I am willing to do whatever you ask me to do. And I'm just going to trust that, God, your word will be fulfilled in me, and I'm putting my faith in you, God, to do whatever you say you're going to do, and, and that you're going to work out all the details, and, and you're going to work through all the complications that I'm going to experience through this, and, and all the difficulties, and all the hardships, and all those things. You've got that. And then it's like Gabriel disappears, and Mary begins to work up the courage to tell Joseph what has happened to her. And sure enough, when she does, Joseph responds just like any other guy that you would expect to respond. I mean, like, who would believe that their fiance is pregnant but is still a virgin? And oh, by the way, I'm carrying God in my belly. Like, really, what have you been smoking? You know, like, for real? So Joseph, he like calls off this engagement. But because he's a good man, he's willing to do it quietly so she's not like publicly shamed by him. 
but he's not interested in being with a woman that is deceitful, this woman that is immoral, this woman that is now, in his eyes, unfaithful. For, for Joseph, the relationship, I mean, it's over. It's over until he goes to bed. And, and Joseph has this dream where an angel comes to Joseph and he says, hey, listen, Mary, Mary's not lying to you. God's moving into your neighborhood. And when that baby is born, Joseph, you're to name him Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. And this was Joseph's moment. This was his moment. Because Joseph woke up with like this massive decision and he had a choice that he had to make in this moment. I mean like, okay, he said to go, was this like a crazy dream by some kind of late night ice cream run that he had maybe done, you know, down the little corner market or, or was his emotions just all out of be whack because he just canceled this engagement with this woman he thought he was gonna spend his life with? Or was this God really speaking to him? And again, just like Mary, Everything about Joseph's future, it rode on this decision, this choice that he would make in this moment. See, he could ignore the dream and, and he could live like a normal, ordinary, kind of expected life in Nazareth. He could do that. Or he could listen to God in this dream and, and take Mary as his wife and then deal with all the difficulties that he's going to face as a result of doing that. And so Matthew tells us the choice that Joseph made. And we find that in Matthew 21, verse 24. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. See, this was the moment that Joseph made the choice to say, there's a price, but I'm going to pay it. It's not going to be an easy path, because, but I'm going to take it because I, I know my life is not my own. And, and I think even though Joseph is kind of thinking, he's like, man, there is no certainty, there's no guarantee that there's going to be any benefit for me. I'm just going to follow God and I'm going to open up my hands and say, God, whatever you want me to do, because it's so worth me choosing to surrender. Because in essence, Joseph is saying like Mary, I am the Lord's servant. I am willing to do whatever God wants with my life. And don't miss this. It was in this choice that Joseph made and that Mary made that took their lives from ordinary and average to extraordinary. See, this is kind of how life works. To live your life for yourself leaves you at the end of your life with nothing to show for yourself but yourself. See, see you can live your entire life with like closed fists. You can live your entire life with your own self-interest, with your own enjoyment in mind. But when you get to the end of your life, you will have nothing to show for yourself but yourself. And you may have lived like a comfortable kind of life, but it won't be a significant life. You may have lived like a memorable life. You might have made a lot of memories. You traveled here, you traveled there, but it will not be a meaningful life. See, if you take the path of comfort, you have made a very terrible, short-sighted decision to choose the comfort of ordinary 
over the uncomfortable of the extraordinary that God wants to do in and through every one of your lives. See, you got to understand this. Extraordinary is never found when you choose safe, secure, and comfortable. Extraordinary is never found when you choose self. That's just not how it works in the kingdom of God. Extraordinary is found when you choose surrender. And here's the beauty of surrender. When you open up your hands and you offer all of your life to God, when you say, I am your servant, so do whatever you want, here's what Jesus does. Jesus elevates your ordinary to extraordinary. He, he takes that same ordinary circumstance, that same ordinary situation, that same ordinary moment of your day, and he does something miraculous with it. He elevates them to extraordinary by orchestrating something from your ordinary that you could have never done on your own. I mean, he, like, he adds great meaning to those moments and he adds significance to those situations in your life. And suddenly, everyday work and everyday activity, they really become catalysts that God uses to change someone else's life, to impact somebody else's world. L listen to this, this is so important. A career isn't just a way to have a nice living. But when you open up your hands and you offer all of your life to God and you say, God, I am your servant, so I'll do whatever you want, your job, your career becomes a channel to effect change in the world and the people around you. And you begin to realize that God is at work all around you and where you are is there, you are there for a reason. And your opportunities that you just saw as ordinary, no, no, no. They're never ordinary again to you because all of a sudden you realize, no, Jesus, he elevates my ordinary moments and days and situations to extraordinary when I open my hands and say, God, I am your servant. I'll do whatever you ask me to today as I interact with the people around me. I mean, if you stop and think about it, Jesus did this his entire earthly ministry. I mean, he took an ordinary teenage boy and an ordinary teenage girl, and he elevated their ordinary to extraordinary. Je Jesus took like a hole-in-the-wall kind of town of Nazareth or Bethlehem, and he elevated these ordinary little towns to the point that we still talk about them today, 2,000 years later. In fact, he took a group of guys who, who spent their lives in the field watching sheep, and he wrote into his story a role of significance in the greatest story ever told. But you got to remember, they had a choice. They had a choice to stay in the field, or they had a choice to go and see and then share. And if you really even stop and look at the life and ministry of Jesus, as Jesus' life grew older, I mean, his life, he intersected with ordinary people who were battling illness and whose lives seemed so unimportant, and he elevated their ordinary to extraordinary as they made the choice to begin following him. And if you stop and think about it and look at his interaction with his disciples, Jesus did this for Peter, and James, and John, and Matthew, and Thomas. 
And then on the night of his arrest, he took an ordinary Passover meal and he said this, this meal, it has a brand new meaning. From now on, every time you partake of this meal, you're not gonna remember this Passover, but you're gonna remember me because how I am about to love you. And then he goes on and he says, and while we're making the ordinary extraordinary, that ordinary law for you guys, you guys, just to love your own Jewish people, he says, I'm changing that. Now you're to love everyone like I'm loving you. You're, you're to love your friends and you're to love your enemies and you're to love the Jewish people and you're to love the non-Jewish people. And he said it this way. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. And then he went to an ordinary Roman cross because it was a tool of torture that had been used to execute thousands and thousands of criminals and enemies of Rome. And he turned that ordinary cross into an extraordinary symbol of freedom and forgiveness for all who surrender to him. And then finally, three days later, he took like an ordinary tomb and he turned it into an empty room so that we would be left with no doubt that our sins have been paid for and that God is for us and we don't have to live ordinary, mundane lives. So this Christmas, we wanna remind you that what Jesus did for Mary and Joseph and Peter and James and John and Matthew and Thomas and countless others, he wants to do that for you. See, Jesus, he will elevate your ordinary to extraordinary if you'll just surrender your life to him. If you'll just offer your ordinary to him. If you'll just trust him enough to follow him. So as we begin this Christmas week, um, our big question for you today is this. Would you be willing to join Mary and Joseph in saying, I am your servant. I'll do whatever you want. Here's my life. Take all of it. I surrender it all to you. I'm going to trust you to forgive my sins. I'm going to trust you to free me from my addictions. I'm going to trust you with my money and my salary and, and my financial security. I'm going to trust you with my future and where my career's going to go. I'm going to trust you with my relationships, with, with my family, with my kids. I'm going to trust you enough this season to extend forgiveness. I'm going to trust you enough to stick with this marriage, to walk away from this unhealthy dating relationship. I'm going to trust you enough to be generous with my time and my talent and my treasure. I'm going to stop living on this side of selfishness. See, it's, it's not an easy choice. There's always a price to pay when you surrender all of your life to God but it's so worth it. That's what we want to remind you of. Because the reality is, purpose is always found on the other side of what's in it for me. Significance is always found across the border of selfishness. So, so you don't have to celebrate another ordinary Christmas. And you don't have to go forward from here living just another ordinary life. Because Jesus, he elevates our ordinary to extraordinary. He did it with an ordinary couple, with a Roman cross, with a tomb, and he'll do it for you. So the question we leave you with today is this. 
Will you open wide your hands and your hearts? Will you let him turn your ordinary into extraordinary as you say today, God, I am your servant. I will follow you with all my heart from this day forward. You bow your heads with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for the excitement and the anticipation that Christmas brings. But God, for many of us, there's a whole new level of excitement and anticipation. Because today, we realize, man, you want to take our ordinary and you want to turn it into extraordinary. And all we do, have to do is surrender. That's all. And I know for many of us, that's a hard thing because it's so hard to let go of control. But may this be the moment when there are men and women, there are students and there are children who will just say to you, Jesus, today, today I surrender all of my life to you. I ask you to come in my life, be my sin forgiver, be my Lord, be my leader, and I'm going to follow you. Whatever you ask me to do, I'll do it. Because today I'm choosing not to live an ordinary, mundane life. I'm choosing to allow you to change my ordinary, because that's all we can create, to something extraordinary as you live in and through us through this day forward. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks for what you're going to do in our lives and then what you're going to do through our lives as we daily stay surrendered to you and live open-handed before you. In Jesus' name, we give you thanks. Amen.